Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sessingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7 or streaming on WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, we had live coverage of Florida's 2018 primary election, and there were some real surprises. Coming up, a conversation with some of the WUSF reporters who have been following the state races and were out in the field on election night. Support for Florida Matters More comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they can't afford. You can join the National Foundation for Transplants Operation Second Chance at transplants.org to learn how to help give someone a second chance at life. I'm here in the studio with WUSF reporters Steve Newborn, Roberto Roldan, and Mark Schreiner. Thanks you all for being here. Thank you, Robin. Hi, Robin. Steve, last night we got a lesson in the power of the President Trump endorsement. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, kind of a, a long route for Adam Putnam. I was at his uh, his party. Well, party's a subjective word in this case <laughs> in, in Lakeland uh, near his hometown of Bartow. And, uh, you know, Putnam has always had this kind of patina of he's going to the governor's mansion. It's been talked about for years and years, ever since he was elected. Well, he's got into politics at age 22. 22, right? right, Elected to the state house. I actually covered that race, which, you know, shows you how long I've been in the business or Mm -hmm. how young he is. And uh, this turned out to be a great upset. And of course, the minute President Trump endorsed his rival, Ron DeSantis, is where the momentum started to change. Uh, you could see it when Trump came to the Florida State Fairgrounds in July and had DeSantis up on stage in front of thousands of people, raucous crowd. Now, going. Steve, you said, I have to say, you were at a DeSantis rally a couple days ago, and you came back and said, um, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to win. You know, if the energy that I saw in this room was any indication, you really were blown away by that. Right. He was at a, uh, a just this little restaurant in Palm Harbor on US-19, and the place was filled with Make America Great hats, uh, bikers for Trump T-shirts. I mean, these people were pumped. I mean, they they he was like an hour late, and they were just raucously, you know, going in the aisles there. Yeah, so you weren't so surprised by these results last night. No, no. You could Mm -hmm. tell how much of a hold that Trump has on the Republican Party right now. Despite everything that goes on in Washington, he has got a grip on the party faithful. I do want to go really quick, Steve and Robin, to the idea of the rally that uh, Trump held for DeSantis about a month ago. Uh, Roberto and I were out there, and you could see that a lot of the people that we were interviewing who were waiting to get into the rally when we asked them, you know, are you a DeSantis backer? Not a lot of them were saying that I'm a DeSantis backer because I believe in the guy. They were DeSantis backers because Trump said, he back this guy. Him. 
Hmm. And that's really what it, I was seeing as well. And and you could see pretty much as soon as the combination of Fox News and President Trump getting behind DeSantis, you could just see that momentum swing. And a lot of pundits, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but a lot of pundits even that night were declaring the race over the night of that rally. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, Adam Putnam, like you said, a, you know, traditional politician, longtime politician, laid the groundwork, had a lot of funding, had the establishment of the party behind him, and he campaigned in a traditional way. He went to small town diners and met with people for breakfast. He went to barbecues. He met a few people at a time. He shook hands. And you kind of, you know, used to be that you would build relationships that way. And once a voter got to know you, uh, they voted for you. I think maybe it's a brand new world out here in politics. How many times did Ron DeSantis tour the state? Very few. I saw him once here in the Tampa Bay area, but he was on Fox News over a hundred times. And even though Putnam outspent him two to one, that's priceless. You cannot buy that kind of exposure. What did the what did the percentage end up last night? It ended it was up pr- being pretty decisive. Fifty six and a half to thirty six and a half. He beat him nine hundred and thirteen thousand to five hundred and ninety one thousand. Wow. 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 Twenty percentage wow. points, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well I don't think People saw that coming when Adam Putnam declared his candidacy. And the other huge surprise of the night was Andrew Gillum. Andrew Gillum overtook Gwen Graham, who everybody thought was the favorite, the front runner, and um, won the Democratic nomination for governor last night. It was a it was a huge upset. Yeah, I think the big loser here, you know, besides the other Democratic candidates, are the pollsters. Um, one poll in the entire state had Gillum in the lead out of all those polls. Now, I don't know whether pollsters still used landlines to get their numbers, but in this age of cell phones and social media, I think it's totally outdated. And I don't know if we could trust the polls anymore. Most of us watching this race didn't see this coming. Yeah, pretty much everyone was surprised by this. You look at the idea of what Philip Levine brought to the race, you know, drawing about 20 percent of the votes and uh, Graham losing by 3 percent. Did his attack ads have that effect of drawing support away from Graham and then possibly costing her the race. So that's that's interesting as well. But like Steve said, the idea that polls had, you know, had this thing almost as a foregone conclusion, but you think between 2016 presidential race and the 2018 Democratic, you know, what are we what are we looking at and who can we trust in advance now? I don't know and, why we didn't see this coming, though, because if conservatives are leaning toward the extremes of their party, yeah. you know, why wouldn't liberals do the same thing? Right. In 2020 hindsight, I mean, we could see the Republican Party leaning far to the right. Why wouldn't the Democrats do the same thing in their yeah. primaries and lean far to the left? Here you had Andrew Gillum, even though he has a lot of baggage with these FBI investigations and, and such. He was by far the most charismatic speaker out there with the with the most... I think he had the the strongest convictions of any of the Democrats. You can see that when Bernie Sanders came to one of his rallies here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, He spoke very passionately about, uh, you know, $15 living wage, Medicare for all, issues that are really near and dear to the heart of the left wing of the Democratic Party. Now, another thing is the Democrats have consistently nominated centrist candidates for governor who they thought would do really well in the general election. And people like Alex Sink, Bill McBride, and and Jim Davis, all from Tampa, and they all got trounced. So why shouldn't they go for a progressive who is very 
you can motivate that base of the party. I think, you know, one of the things that was missed about Gillum is the organization. Um, he might, you know, some of these polls were coming out and he might not have had traditional Democratic voters, but he had Democratic organizers. Um, his ground game was good. Um, he was uh, endorsed by Indivisible, um, which doesn't give, you know, necessarily in-kind contributions, doesn't give money contributions, but they have local networks throughout the state of Florida of people who are getting out the vote for Gillum, people who are organizing events. Um, I was down in North Sarasota um, just the week before the election, the Sunday of early voting, and he had multiple organizers around um, North Sarasota area bringing people to the polls on their own time. So I think one of the things that was maybe missed um, was the organizational ground game uh, that the Gillum campaign had. But didn't the others, didn't Gwen Graham's campaign have the same? You would think they shed more money. How would you describe Indivisible? What is that kind of an organization is that? Indivisible sort of, um, so it's a left-leaning organization. It's actually more of uh, the progressive wing. So it's looking at people like Andrew Gillum, um, endorsing people like Andrew Gillum. Um, They were created after the election of Donald Trump to basically be um, the organizers for the quote unquote resistance. Okay. Um, so they were two started by two people inside of um, the Obama administration, basically two bureaucrats. Um, and and what they've been doing is local organizing local chapters, um, getting local chapters to give input on candidates that they would like to see endorsed. Um, and then, but once they they latch onto a candidate, once they endorse a candidate all of those local organizations sort of fall in line. They organize get out the vote campaigns. They organize canvassing. Um, It's not about fundraising necessarily, but they they organize. um, They have pretty good local ground game. Yeah, Steve. And that's what wins elections. You can spend all the money in the world. Look how much money Jeff Green, Philip Levine spent on these ads. I mean, they all spent Gillen probably five, ten to one. The key is getting these people to the polls, and the Democrats have finally realized this. The Republicans have been doing this for years. They get people on the ground. They organize. They knock on doors. They'll bus you to the polls if you want. The Democrats are finally getting on board with that, and I think that's what really turned the tide for Gillum. Another thing I think you're seeing is this uh, outside groups, outside influence, outside money. So this group, Indivisible, coming into Florida to, to get their man, uh, Gillum, you know, some support where I don't know some of the other candidates really don't, you know, they, I'd say Adam Putnam is relying on Florida grassroots support more than some organization from, you know, Washington or something to to organize his campaign for him. So I think you're also seeing a lot, especially I think on the Democratic side, which are which are energized on a national level and trying to influence uh, statewide elections. And you're going to definitely see an increase in that uh, come November because not only are you talking about the governor's race, but then you've got the Senate showdown between Bill Nelson and Rick Scott. And you know that the outside groups are definitely going to be involved heavily in that as well. Roberta, you were with State Representative Ross Spano last night at the Beef O'Brady's in Brandon, and he won the Republican nomination to run for Dennis Ross's old congressional seat, which used to be a solidly Polk County seat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now a Republican from Hillsboro is on the ballot in November in this Republican-leaning district. What do you think accounts for that? 
Yeah, well, uh, in 2016, it was redistricted, right? So it's now roughly 50% Hillsborough County, 35% Polk now, um, and still about 15% Lake County. Um, so they did add more voters from sort of suburban eastern Hillsborough County. Um, but also, I mean, Ross Spano ran a, a, a strong campaign against Cumbie, um, and at times, you know, pretty negative. Um, so there were some campaign flyers that were calling him a tax cheat. Um, it's never been established quite who set up the website, but there was a website, Never Trump Neil, I believe it was, .com, um, which attacked uh, Neil Cumbie's sort of main campaign message, which was, I am the ally of Trump. So there was a pretty strong campaign against Neil Cumbie. Now, Spano, when I talked to him last night, um, he says he didn't start it. Um, that may be. But uh, he ran a strong and pretty thorough campaign. So but I don't know if it's necessarily just Hillsborough County voters. Yeah. And, you know, we were wondering throughout the campaign, sort of, Roberta, where was Neil Cumbie? Um, you weren't you covered that race. You weren't getting a lot of information from his campaign. You really weren't even sure who was in charge of his campaign. I live in Polk County. I got mailers every day from Ross Spano. I don't think I got anything from Neil Cumbie. So what what was going on? No, and, and you know, Robin, I'm, I don't think it's quite certain what was going on, but I think one of the things that you saw is you saw Andrew Learned, who is, uh, was on the Democratic side here in Hillsborough County, going constantly, going across the border into Polk County, into Lakeland. Ross Spano, constantly going over into Lakeland. I didn't see any events where Cumbie was coming into Hillsborough. No. And when you're talking about 50% of the voters being in Hillsborough, that might have, I mean, that might have been uh, sort of the nail in the coffin for Cumbie. Was, I, yeah. He's not, he wasn't campaigning where most of the voters he, are. He wasn't campaigning. Um, and, you know, the fact that Spano could hit him on not being Trump enough when Neil Cumbie is in a job that President Trump put him in. Um, he was appointed to his position for the USDA by President Trump. I mean, he did have ammunition to fight back, but I didn't see any fight in him. And uh, so, like I said, I'm a Polk County resident. I hate to see this seat uh, out of go f- out of Polk County. I really do. Um, well, you know, you want representation in Congress, and I think we've lost it. Well, so you know. I don't know. The turnout for the Democratic side um, in the primary yesterday was less than the Republican. But on the Democratic side, Kristen Carlson is from Lakeland. um, So she's still Polk County. She won, um, I think, about 53 percent of the vote in the primary. So it is a Republican leaning. It's a a Republican leaning. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I just wasn't thinking that way because it's been a Republican seat for a while now. Yeah, well, I mean, and if you look at the primary, Kristen Carlson pretty consistently was out fundraising both Spano and Neil Cumbie. Um, You know, there's talk of this blue wave. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a suburban rural district that leans Republican. It's been Republican held for 20 years. It's going to be difficult. um, But Kristen Carlson still sort of has um, you know, the ability, the underdog ability, maybe, to uh, keep the congressional seat in Polk County. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. Mark, you were at a winning campaign headquarters, which is always more fun. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was at the attorney general race, which, frankly, if it hadn't been for the governor race, this one would have been like the marquee um, race of the primaries because there was just so much drama to this whole race. Oh, very strange. Right. On the Republican side, you had Ashley Moody and her rival, Frank White. Um, 
Frank White running a very, um, to many people, a questionable campaign with a lot of claims against Moody of being a lifelong Democrat. And then when he was fact-checked, he literally took the fact-checked ad and edited it so that it matched what he originally said. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, on the Democratic side, you had the front-runner suing to get the underdog off the ballot. Which in, he uh, did. Yeah, which he did temporarily, uh, Sean Shaw and Ryan Torrens. Um, Torrens being temporarily knocked off the ballot for about the last weekend. Um, already, um, the Republicans are starting to hit Shaw with this idea of here's a guy who couldn't win an election the quote-unquote regular way, so he had to sue to he get sued. his opponent off the ballot. Mm. You know, immediately, the day after the election, the Republicans are already hitting uh, hitting Shaw with that. Uh, what I think is going to be interesting about this one is this race for attorney general is going to be about guns. It's going to be about stand your ground. It's going to be about law and order and the NRA. Shaw already saying that he consistently gets an F from the NRA as a Florida state representative. Moody consistently bragging gets, that he gets an F. Get bragging <laughs> right. and bragging and 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 labeling Moody with the fact that she gets A's as mm-hmm. a uh, former prosecutor and a judge. Moody coming back with the idea, uh, the line that she used last night, countless numbers of times, was, "I'm not a politician. I'm a prosecutor." Now, of course, Shaw is a lawyer as well. But he hasn't argued a case as a prosecutor, and um, Moody continually labels herself as the person to be the top law enforcement official in the state of Florida. Also, um, Moody has the backing of current Attorney General Pam Bondi, and she has the backing of, I believe it's, I think it's 90 percent of the Republican sheriffs across uh, the state yes, of Florida. Yes, she got a lot of law enforcement support. Her TV ads from the sheriffs, I thought, were very effective. As I said, the hilarious thing last night was right before I went live with you on Florida Matters, I was standing in the lobby, and about five Bay Area sheriffs, off um, actual sheriffs, uh, Sheriff Cronister from uh, Hillsborough, uh, Sheriff Niehaus from Hernando, um, there Naco. was someone else, Naco, Chris Naco from Pasco County. All of them all walked past me all at once, and I was like, well, I am in the safest place to be. And not only in Tampa Bay area, yeah. but in the state of Florida right now. And it's impressive to have that back. Yes, and, and and she certainly uh, brags about that fact, and will continue to use that as a uh, as a uh, a tool against Shaw. So here's I want to ask the three of you because I don't really. This is something I don't understand. So what happens if you have a governor? What if Ron DeSantis wins governor, and Sean Shaw is his very left leaning anti gun um, attorney general? Um, or he, or Nikki Freed is the Democrat uh, lobbyist from South Florida, ag- commissioner of agriculture. Could happen. Um, people are really voting their party ticket instead of, you know, on other issues. So how does that work? Steve? Four interesting years in Tallahassee, yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, the governor, as you know, trumps all. Uh, yeah. No pun intended there. And uh, he has most of the power, even though the the other two are members of the cabinet. The governor is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. So what he says is pretty much going to be But how do they work the together? Land. Because, like, right now, Governor Scott has all Repub- He has uh, Pam Bondi for his mm-hmm. attorney general, Adam Putnam right. for his commissioner of agriculture. Seems like they're all hand in glove. Well, it's a fascinating concept, Robin. It's called bipartisanship. <laughs> no, I've never heard of <laughs> it. We have seemed to have forgotten what that is in this land. I think land. we buried that a couple of years well, ago. Maybe we'll come 
come back someday. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, there are different board meetings. I know, like, the clemency board um, is by vote. So there are some different um, different things where the cabinet is by vote. Uh, so it's going to depend, I think, on the Republican versus Democratic, um, the way that shapes So these out. are important offices. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean oh, to- yeah. It's, that's going to be very interesting. That is Roberto Roldan, also Mark Schreiner and Steve Newborn. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. And thank you for joining us and listen to Florida Matters on the radio, Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m., Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. I'm Robin Sessingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.